0: Hey folks, six months ago, if I had told you that the Texas football team was going to be more physical than Alabama in Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, what would you guys have told me? You probably would have told me, hey Nino, put down whatever you're drinking, you're doing too much right now. But I'm going to go over this folks in the Horns Corner rapid reaction section of this Nino's Corner podcast, folks. But prior to us talking about that, go like, comment, and subscribe on this video. And also, folks, if you're listening to this on the streaming podcast platform, go like, comment, and subscribe and share that as well. Folks, we heard all the reports um, just over the uh, summer, over the spring, over the fall about how this Texas defensive line has been so dominant and that they've owned these uh, practices here at Texas. And so I had a question was basically, is the offensive line, you know, not good this year or is the defensive line that good this year? And a lot of people didn't know what to expect. And I think after that Rice game, after that Rice game, people came out probably thinking that the offensive line hasn't jailed and it wasn't as good as we thought it was going to be coming out of camp. Well, folks, I think we have our answer. That defensive line is outstanding. It is beautiful to watch. Javante Sweat, Byron Murphy, Ethan Burke, Baron Sorrell, Vernon Brighton, Alfred Collins. I tell you, folks, Chris Ross came in there and did some things on the edge too, as well. Uh, you know, bled so. I think I saw Sadir Mitchell play a little bit against Alabama, but just over the first two games, those are the folks that we saw play here at Texas on that defensive front. And I tell you what, folks, we saw at well at Texas um, against Rice. Exactly how dominant that was, but folks, look—it's Rice, right? It's Rice. What do you expect? Texas is supposed to do that, but seeing how Rice just dominated University of Houston this this past weekend, lets us know that maybe this Rice team is not as bad as we thought it was going to be, right? And so Texas goes into Bryant Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa, and what do we see here? We see the Texas defensive line. Look, they got pushed around a little bit in that first quarter. Alabama set up the run very well, but I think that was a filling out period for you know our line. Our line felt them out, saw exactly what uh, they thought or saw Bama's best punch. They got the best punch there in the first quarter, we readjusted, and we pretty much contained and shut down that running game from the second quarter on. Outstanding, beautiful masterpiece of blocking for the Texas defensive line. They were the more physical team. Alabama did a lot of propaganda on building up and selling their offensive line 64 65 340 pound offensive line average offensive lineman in you know in the NFL 65 320 or, or 319 and Alabama did all this marketing to show how big their offensive line was almost to kind of intimidate the people that are coming to play but look I put it look I put a tweet out the next day that says this Texas defensive line if we ever decide to go to a bigger defensive line to counter that we way between 320 and 330 ourselves. So having all that, there there wasn't that big of an advantage as far as the size for Alabama versus Texas on that front. Matter of fact, the Texas defensive line gave Alabama's line fits. And I said this before, Alabama's offensive line is going to be really good by game six, folks. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, game six or game seven, they're going to be very good. They're a young offensive line. And this is something that we're not accustomed to seeing in Alabama football is to have young guys, especially true freshmen, come in there and start on the offensive line, especially at left tackle. Proctor is their starting left tackle, who's a 6'6", 365-pound, 18-year-old. And, yes, he came from Iowa. The level of uh, football in Iowa is not the level of football in Georgia, Texas, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi. You guys see where I'm coming at? All these players that are coming to Alabama, that are coming to Georgia, that you know, that are coming to Texas, they're coming from the southeast region of the country where football is king and football is god, and Iowa just doesn't have that brand of football in that state. It was a wake up call. It's a wake up call for Proctor and it's a wake up call for some other people on that offensive line that uh, it's it's going to be physical. I saw a practice kid ran over a couple times, and I could be exaggerating with a couple times, but I did see one video where a guy from Middle Tennessee State that weighed probably 240, 250, pretty much just ran through him, put him on his butt. It's like a welcome to college football moment. And I looked at that play, and I said, if that happened to him from Middle Tennessee State, what do we think a guy like Alfred Collins? What do we think Baron Sorrell? What do we think Vernon Broughton, Ethan Burke, what are they going to do to him? And I think we saw exactly what Ethan Burke did. Ethan Burke was credited with one and a half sacks this game. He probably should have had two. Um, um, he had uh, one other opportunity to get a sack, and he didn't get it. Jalen Milrose is a very explosive guy, folks. Strong legs. He was able to basically run through a couple of sacks. Byron Murphy had one as well. That's Byron Murphy. I did not say Byron Murphy. How do I forget the dog, Byron Murphy, on that defensive line as well? But Texas played outstanding on the defensive line. They manhandled the Alabama offensive line pretty much the entire game, but only bringing three or four people. With only bringing three or four people, they were able to get pressure and contain Jalen Miro. And if you watch the tape of the previous game, Jalen Murrow went off of his first read pretty much all the time, and it wasn't any difference against Texas. First read was the person that he was thrown to, and Texas was able to sit there and pretty much hit some easy picks. Uh, you know, some very easy picks. Jaron Thompson had an outstanding easy pick, which led to a touchdown on that next play. I think Texas scored two touchdowns in 14 seconds. You know, so uh, a very good game planned by the Texas defense. Now, folks, I want to flip this to the offensive line for Texas. And I said in my previous videos that Whichever team's defensive line was going to dominate the opposing team's offensive line the most, that was the team that was going to win this game and win it pretty much convincingly. The Texas offensive line did a masterful job of keeping Quinn Ewers upright. I tell you, that man never touched a crown from getting hit from an Alabama defensive lineman. Alabama has some really good defensive linemen, a 360-pound nose tackle. Um, You know, uh, Otis being at 320 pounds, I mean, They got talent up and down that entire defensive line. And so the one thing that I did ask myself was, was the Texas offensive line that bad in practice against our defensive line or is our defensive line that good? I think we figured out that our defensive line is really that good and iron sharpens iron and our Texas offensive line was able to compete with the Alabama defensive line with no problems, no problems at all. One thing I will say, Look, man, Kelvin Banks, Jr., we all know what we have there in Kelvin Banks, Jr., one of the best left tackles here in the country. He's got one more year here at Texas, folks. You better enjoy him while we have him here. He's going to be a first-round pick very soon and very easy, folks. At that right guard position, Hayden Connor did his thing, pulled outstanding. I'm telling you, there was a play. Uh, I think it was the sweep where he came. He pulled, found a linebacker at the second level, did his thing there. Texas gets a, a good run for first down. Center, Jake Majors, for as much hail as we give Jake Majors, and I've given Jake Majors hail too, uh, he played outstanding, folks. He played very good, smart, physical game that he played. The calls were consistent. The calls were right. No penalties on the offensive line, folks. None at all. So Jake Majors, salute to you, buddy. And then at that right guard position, at their right guard position, DJ Campbell started the game out, played pretty well. Cole Hudson came in. Nasty. He was nasty with it. Cole Hudson did his thing, man. You did your thing, Cole Hudson. But then he put DJ Campbell back in. And I don't know if Cole Hudson doing very well just kind of ignited the fire in him once he saw that. Because DJ Campbell, when Cole Hudson was in the game, DJ Campbell, I was at the game. He was on the sidelines, hands up, pumping the crowd up. This team loves each other, man. I'm telling you, man. Uh, In a generation of me where where guys understand that I I have to play now because if I don't play, I might not get a chance to get drafted. It is hard to see somebody get pulled for somebody else and then them be so vocal of wanting to see the team still do so well. This team is well put together, folks. They love each other. They care for each other. You can definitely tell just through the play in that DJ Campbell span where Cole Hudson came in and did his thing. I think Cole played about 42 plays, 40 or 42 plays. He was on the sidelines, hyping the crowd up. I saw it, folks. I was happy for it. And he comes back in the game. And on that Jonathan Brooks touchdown run, you see DJ Campbell over there pushing two guys in the end zone, just opening up a, a huge hole for Jonathan Brooks to run through. I'm telling you, I was very excited to see that right guard position, even with the alternating between DJ Campbell and Cole Hudson, no drop-off. We got some nasty guys on that team, folks, on that line. And then, look, we're going to sum it back up with a guy named Christian Jones who came back, and I'm telling you, he had an outstanding game too. Christian Jones is playing himself to be the draftable player here. And I tell you what, I can't wait to see it. Awesome player. So our offensive line has been getting – you know, per the reports, getting, uh, you know, uh, the, the defensive line has been getting the best of the offensive line here at Texas in those, you know, in the practices, in the scrimmages. You know, we we saw it in the spring game as well. But it's not because the offensive line is not good because our defensive line is really that good. And I tell you what, that the defensive line that Texas faces every day in practice is probably the best defensive line that they are going to see in Big 12 play. Hands down. And that's when, you know, that's when you know that your team is good. It's when your practices become harder than the games because then the games become fun. And that's what Texas is doing now with the just the talent that they have here. Now, Sark. I want to talk about Coach Sarkeesian here for a minute. He is building an NCC caliber team. And I believe that's, that is what he was brought in here to do for the simple fact that he was hired before the announcement came out that Texas was going to the SEC. We all know CDC knew this information was happening. How do you... Prepare for the SEC. Um, the best way to prepare for the SEC is to go and get SEC guys to build yourself an SEC team. Ajay Hall was in the space not too long ago and said that Texas is basically being built and ran just like uh, Sark saw at Alabama. We're seeing just Sark and the Cal floods. You know um, the coach Banks. Those guys came from Alabama with Sark. Bo Davis has some has some tenure there as well. Uh, Aj Mill with being Sark's right hand man, also there. We're seeing that Sark is building an SEC team, and I think when Sark got on this campus, he realized that in those trenches that we just talked about, the defensive line and the offensive line, it wasn't it wasn't big enough, it wasn't built up enough for it to be an SEC an SEC caliber offensive line. But I tell you what, the first thing he did was fortified those trenches, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I did a video here just a couple years ago. My boy Ty from ATS Sports always quotes this. Lando um, also quotes this as well. Nash does as well. The five years prior to Steve Sarkeesian coming to the University of Texas to be the head coach, Texas ranked dead last in the Big 12, not the SEC, not the ACC, not the Pac-12 or the Big 10, in the Big 12. They ranked dead last in the Big 12 tied with Kansas, tied with Kansas for the uh, amount of offensive line recruits that they had signed to them in that five year period. Dead last with Kansas. And that is why Texas has not been able to get over the hump when it comes to Big 12 play and win Big 12 championships and compete for Big 12 championships because they didn't have the trenches solidified. That's why we were just out talenting teams like Kansas prior to Charlie Strong getting fired. We were just out out talenting teams that were that were more that that weren't as talented in the skill positions as us. We just out talented those teams to end up winning the games. That's dangerous. And it showed that it was dangerous for Texas over the last decade uh, because we haven't had the the um, the steadiness. Uh, having a team that has been built upon a great foundation like Sark is doing. Now, what does Sark do when he first gets in? He looks at those lines and says, we got to beef up that offensive line. He goes and gets seven guys in the first class in 2022 and another five in 2023. He, always, he he went and got 12 offensive linemen in two years. He got 12 in two years, takes it 18 in five years. So we're seeing what, what Steve Sarkisian is doing. And we're seeing the what the future of this program is going to look like in the lines. It's It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So for him to do what he's done here and solidify those lines, and not only do the lines well, but guess what? He, he's he's also done. He's brought speed to this team at the wide receiver position, speed to this team at the running back position. Sark is doing great things. Speed to this team in the defensive backfield. You got to love it. The next big Rapid point that I want to bring up is Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers played like a five-star quarterback, folks, and we have to understand that that was outstanding and amazing just to see him do what he's done. Before yesterday, before Saturday, I mean, we were winning games with Quinn on the roster, not because of Quinn. We were winning games with him on the roster, right? I mean, we didn't win games because he did something spectacular and something miraculous. To be a five-star quarterback like, like a Quinn Ewers, like a Bench Young. Hell, I'll even talk about our rivals in OU, Baker and Kyler. They won games because of those guys. There were certain games that they won because of those guys. Look at Caleb. Caleb Williams, man. OU won games because of Caleb Williams. OU won. I'm not OU. USC has won games now because of Caleb Williams. You take him off that team, they're not the same team. And when you have a transcendent quarterback, that's the way it should be, is that you're going to win some games because that guy is special. We won this game because that man, Quinn Ewers, was very special. And I think this is just times to come. We're going to see this a lot here this year. Quinn finally has 12 games starting. He has a full season of starting you know, under his belt. The training wheels are off, and we're seeing exactly what he has been able to do here, especially against big-time talent in a big-time contested environment. So when he was played, he played like a five-star. And that's the play that I think Longhorn fans and Steve Sarkeesian probably are wanting to see here for the, for the remainder of